Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this fourth episode of the Pilates Alliance deep dive into the sales journey experience with David Gunther from Pilates Can and Pilates Business. David, welcome back. Thanks very much, Bruce. A real pleasure to be here with you today. David, we're stepping further into the 10-step client sales journey today with the process of following up our introductory episode, but then diving into the inquiry, the presentation, and then today's conversation is focused on more the initial sale starting to see how all the pieces fit together. Yes, this is the third step, the initial sale. And of course, it wouldn't be a client sales journey unless we have that initial sale. And the little icon that I have on the screen as we're talking uh, that the uh, listeners will be able to see once they take advantage of the video that will show some more detail for free on our Pilates business website. We're going to go into a lot of detail today, but the icon that's on the screen shows a client bending over backwards, but it also shows money because it's definitely not a sale until there's a transaction. The importance of this step is the commitment that the client makes to you, the business, because we make a huge commitment. We provide the studio space, the equipment, the instructors that are so well qualified, our time and location in the area that we're in. But the client needs to make a commitment. They need to say, yes, I'm ready to go. And to do that, they need to pay money. We ask for payment upfront and in advance of tending the studio. We don't wait for them to turn up and then pay the money. We ask for them to pay upfront so that they're making a commitment and therefore we can reserve the space in the studio and the time with our instructor for that payment. That's a pretty important point that we've come to In fact, we've been doing that for many years and has been a big part of our success. There's a couple of things in that, David. One being the story I've told for a long time is that marketing and advertising is an expense to your business, but it's actually the sale that has the incoming. So I much prefer to jump straight to the sale if possible, but it's naive to think that will happen at the drop of a hat. There's this process that we're talking through that's going to contribute to that success. Being able to see this initial sale in the steps through this journey, I think it begins to highlight how the flow of this graphic that you've shown for us and those listening back to the audio will be able to see the graphic with a visit to the website. But to be able to see that initial sale in the process is really helpful. Yes, it's a really important step. And I believe it is a step that many Pilates businesses do get a little bit wrong because they are a little bit hesitant to take that money up front. They are a bit trusting or they would prefer to think that the client will turn up, that they have made the commitment when they say they have made the commitment. We've got a little saying at Pilates Can, we hear what they say, but we watch what they do. We do that with instructors and staff and keeping ourselves accountable, but also keeping new clients accountable because there is quite a process even to get to this stage. So If you're not going to take the money during that sales presentation to get the commitment, then you are risking losing people at that very point because you may even book their session for them, but something may come up in their life that they decide is more important than turning up. 
So you might get that last minute call. And I'm sure everyone listening has experienced that. And that's not something that you enjoy. Now, if they've already paid, then at least you have some leverage. What we do is allow them to rebook. We've got all different processes, which I would point to as an asset as well, around how that works. However, it is important that you have that leverage in that relationship where you've made a commitment and they need to have made a commitment, a real commitment in terms of money as well. You're exactly right. Making that commitment to bring that conversation forward with a client to get them to understand that's the lay of the land, that's the expectation that makes such a difference. One of my early sales mentors had a great little catch cry, maybe doesn't feed the baby, meaning (laughs) that if you don't collect the money from the client, that's left hanging as a maybe versus getting the commitment and the leverage like you're talking about, David. Absolutely. And there is a lot that we could talk about just in that very process. We'll go into more detail in the video. We have a whole scripting process that allows our salespeople to be able to not say things verbatim, but know the order of the conversation, where the asking for the money comes. It's important where that comes in the conversation and what you're saying around that asking for the money and how you're asking for the money. But there are other important steps with that initial sale as well. And I've just pulled up the next slide that I have here with maps, which seems surprising, but it's an important little asset. If we send a welcome email, another asset, a visual map of where you are located, an actual physical photo of where we are at our Woden studio, and then another map of where we are at our Manica studio with directions of how to get there. Little practical things like this that are in your processes so that you can avoid that call quarter past the hour when they should have been there on the hour saying, oh, where are you? And that's not going to be good news for you if you get that call. We've all had those calls again, disappointing, but you can really minimize them with assets like a simple map attached to your introductory email to confirm their booking. It seems a simple step, David, but I think a really valuable one. I can hear the experience speaking there of having had the feedback too many times where you've received that phone call at the quarter past the hour and thinking of putting something in the process so that doesn't happen again. Yes, particularly if you've got your studio in a location that is maybe a little bit hard to find the first time, and we take it for granted, we can find our own studios. If it's a home studio, it's possibly going to be a little bit difficult out in the suburbs. If you're in a commercial location and you've got to consider parking, we found it very useful to have that. Great. And the next step, David, is the screening forms? Yes. The screening form follows on from the discussion that we've had earlier with them in that sales call, in that presentation. That will be sent out to them as well so that they can fill that in because we want to see that what they've said, they're prepared to sign their name to it. If they've said, we've got healthy body generally and we can do Pilates mat work, that'll be fine, then that's great. But then on the screening form, there's two broken vertebrae or something of that nature, scoliosis and something else and some other condition, then we'll be getting back in touch and saying, perhaps you need to do a couple of private sessions rather than mat work and having that conversation so that we're not wasting the time of the instructor in, say, a Pilates mat work beginner's course, trying to explain to the new client again that they really should be in a different type of Pilates, private, semi-private Pilates on the equipment where we can give them the attention that they need. 
Again, that's experience speaking. I can hear David from you. That's happened way too many times. And so to put a step in the process to avoid that happening is going to make a big difference. Yeah. And again, it still will happen, but you're minimizing it. Instead of it happening 100 times out of 200, it'll happen maybe twice out of 100. We've found that to be very beneficial. Then those two assets, the map and the screening forms, are attached to the welcome email. We have templates for those welcome emails. They're automated emails to an extent, let's say semi-automated, depending on when the new client is starting their journey, their first initial session. That'll be put into the CRM, and then that kicks off a workflow for them, which includes this initial email. And I think that's an increasing expectation from clients to have that system in place, David, to receive something automated and receive a notification. I think puts all of our minds to ease that the connection's been made, it's all been confirmed, it's in the bank and it's done, as opposed to leaving it hanging unnecessarily with something that's not in place. It's interesting that you say that because I've got a good example of that. We do get used to that level of service from a professional organisation. When Claire booked on Pelican Airlines to fly down from Bellina back to Canberra after our trip up north, there was no confirmation. There was no email, no text confirmation, nothing of that nature that you would come to expect from a professional organisation like an airline. They were just happy to see us when we arrived and we were good enough to remember to arrive and be there for the flight. To have this confirmation process in place, I think it makes a world of difference to put our clients' minds at ease. Yeah, you can do that, I think, at any level of sophistication of your systems, depending on the size of your Pilates business organisation. We delineate, we sophisticate our emails a little bit for beginner Pilates with healthy bodies to those that need those private sessions so that they know that we are looking after them specifically, aside from using their name and so forth. The language that is in the email and the workflow that they are now in will mean that they will feel, yes, they know who I am and what I'm doing, rather than talking about a trip to Melbourne when you're going on a trip to Canberra, to use that airline example. At this point, David, I'm sensing a little bit of overwhelm potentially and lots of people who are listening to this podcast because there's a lot in this already, what we've talked through. Can you speak for a moment about the systems that are available and also the resources that need to be poured into this? Because I think it's speaking to your experience over 20 plus years of running a business. It does take time and it takes a step-by-step process to not expect to have all these things in place, but to build these assets gradually over time. You've hit the nail right on the head. It is about building the assets. You can't start off with owning an apartment building. You need to start with a tent and then move up to something more substantial and then a house. So yes, over the 20 years or so, we've built these assets, recognising the need for them because they save us time. Assets are things that you can use over and over again. So automations are exactly that. If you can take the time or find someone to help you with creating automations that are going to save you the most time, then that is very useful. I think this speaks to the offering that you're making through Pilates Business, David, being able to provide a framework for Pilates business owners to be able to engage with a system and a process that does follow a really logical step-by-step rather than having to dive in headfirst, not knowing where to start, to have some guidance through the Pilates business offering that you have, I think is really exciting. I appreciate that because that is our objective to help the industry. 
It doesn't mean that studios out there that are starting off on this journey on identifying these asset needs need to have the level of sophistication in all the areas that we have built over the last 20 years, but we can help them identify those areas that they might want to put some automation into because it will save them so much time and give them better results with what they're doing that it will be well worth their while. I've always advocated little steps. And you're quite right. Biting off as much as you're ready to chew is the realistic thing to do in this conversation because to do it all at once is unrealistic. To do it step by step, to get your guidance and advice based on your experience of what's going to be the most valuable asset sequence to drop in at the right time is going to make it realistic and tangible and achievable for all the studio owners who are wanting to put some of these things in place, David. Yes, and that's why we're doing it the way we are, because I've been to the webinars and been on courses that are set up for, I guess, the generic. They give a whole generic solution to things that may have very little relevance to where you're at right now with your business. So you need to be doing the next best thing that you can do for your business. You need some help with identifying what that next best thing is so that you can build up the health of your business gradually and have it protected and enhanced so it will be really valuable over time. It doesn't happen all at once, definitely not. Sometimes what I heard early when I was running my studios, David, is that this resource-heavy process of putting these assets in place was a distraction away from, firstly, what I loved doing most, which was teaching Pilates, but also, secondly, what was generating the most return for my time was being on the floor, generating this revenue. So to be able to create a profitable model in the way that you're teaching classes and to then be able to buy yourself the time in reality of nine to five as best as possible to put these assets in place, it's really a return on investment conversation. Listening to you, David, and listening to the value that these assets are going to bring to the business built over time, I think is going to help a lot of studio owners be able to have more peace of mind, knowing that they are building their business in the right direction. We advocate that instructors should be spending most of their time instructing. Unfortunately, if you do own the business as an instructor, then you have taken on the responsibility of building that business and supporting and protecting that business in times like we have now, where times are tough for all the reasons that we're well aware of with shutdowns and so forth. Having assets in place do help protect that business, but it's important that you're able to do what you need to do on the instruction side. That's been a huge benefit with the delineation of tasks between myself and Claire in our business at Pilates Can, and we're very lucky to have been able to do that that way. And we've now come to the point where we've decided to share that with the industry so the industry can benefit. And that'll also help us because we're part of the industry. I think for all of us to have a David and Claire in our back pocket to be able to pull out and pull these resources together is only going to do amazing things for the industry. To move on to the next asset, that's client service. You do need to have a client service attitude and it doesn't mean that the client is always right, but it's nice if they think they are. It's always nice if we don't have any bumpiness with that relationship between the business and the clients or the instructors and the clients. So 
having a client service focus and any assets that help you achieve that so that the client feels like they're being looked after and valued is, again, really important. It's about great communication, and that's why these automations of emails are important. We've worked on those automations for years and years, and in some cases, we've found that we've created too many emails in a workflow that we've actually annoyed the clients with emails. So then we've gone back and cut some out and created, say, a web page instead so that they can click on a link if they need that particular information in a short email rather than a long email with lots of information that's not going to be read, essentially. Those little things that you can get better over time are things that you can do if you have that continuous improvement of your client serviceability. That is the end of this section of the initial sales. The next one that we'll be doing is on booking the initial session. You may have thought we've already done that in these other discussions that we've had on the initial sale that we've just had and then the presentation and inquiry previously, but there's specific assets around the booking of the initial sessions that we're going to talk about that are particularly important. Just like if you don't take the money, it's not really a sale. If you haven't made the booking, it's not really a sale because you haven't really created that entire transaction. In the next episode, we'll look at booking the initial session and what are the special assets and the special things you should consider there as a Pilates business owner. We'll certainly be looking forward to that, David, at the book initial sessions portion of the client sales journey in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate your experience on these subjects with owning three studios for a number of years. I think there's a lot of value in what you're providing, David. I know myself, early days, it was very often shooting blind, reading early business books. One of my first realizations was to make projections for a business. Fundamentally, the way I saw it was largely guesswork, a little bit shooting blind. It wasn't until I got a few runs on the board. It wasn't until I had a few months of trading, a few quarters of trading, a few years of trading that I could start to see some sort of patterns that I could start to make projections a bit more accurately. Both your and my commitment, David, is that great Pilates is taught more and more in Australia and around the world. And it takes good business acumen, it takes good business thinking to be able to gel together the required elements, the required assets, the required functionality to bring a great class to fruition, to be able to bring a great class to our clients. You can't just magic this out of the air. You've got to have all these little steps in place to be able to realize that a class can come together and create the logistics of that. So to be able to create the structure and the value in what you're offering through the Pilates Business Network, I think it's only going to do amazing things for the industry. And the listeners can help us here because we're working together to help achieve this. Listeners can really help by subscribing to the Pilates Alliance podcast and make sure they let other Pilates instructors, other Pilates business owners know about the podcast so people can benefit and avoid the mistakes that we've made. You mentioned mistakes there. We haven't stopped making mistakes. We're still making mistakes, I'm sure, but we're hopefully getting more right than we were getting wrong in the early days because we've established the things that work and we're using those things that work, not going back and doing things that we already tried and didn't work for us. And if I can add one last thing to that, David, 
I often early days would have some blockages myself around wanting to be creative as a teacher and not wanting to go into the back office and put all these resources into place because I felt it quite dry. I felt it quite boring. I felt it quite rhetoric to have to box in my thinking, but my progress or my maturation through that process, I would hope to think would be that putting these assets in place can allow me more creativity in my teaching because it has me have more peace of mind. It has me more confident in what I know is in place and what is automated and what is a system to be able to then step back onto the floor and not have my mind full of unnecessary things because I've actually dealt with them and put all these systems into place. Yes, that's the objective and what we want to help other Pilates business owners to be doing. Great to have you on the call, David. I look forward to the next episode. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.